The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum, and we are here to have what I would say is a pretty interesting podcast. Am I right, Chris? Yeah, I think so. We're kind of we're turning the page because, you know, the last couple of weeks have been all about free agency, seeing who's staying, who's going, who's coming in as the new Giants, and just seeing how this roster begins to take shape before the next phase of the offseason. So what Chris and I are going to do, we're going to go through each position group on the roster, and we are going to give them a numerical value, 1 to 10. 10 being the Giants really need to add players in the draft at this position, 1 being it's really not that much of a necessity. And it doesn't, and the numbers can be duplicated. So you can have multiple 8s, multiple 6s, multiple 9s, what have you. And if, as you'll see throughout this, the Giants have a lot of holes on this roster. They have a lot of positions that still need to be addressed. I feel like this roster is in a good place right now, but this draft is crucial to the Giants moving forward. The way Joe Shane and this front office have structured a lot of these contracts, the Giants need to hit on these cheap contracts coming in through the draft. These guys who are going to be getting paid minimal relative to a lot of the other players around the league who are on their second contracts. So we are going to go through each position group and give them that numerical value. So let's start at quarterback, Chris. I'll I'll go first. Look, the Giants just re-signed Daniel Jones to a four-year deal. Could get out of it if Daniel Jones flounders and does not progress like Joe Shane and Brian Dable hope that he will. I still think the Giants could invest in the quarterback position, though. So I gave them a four, which is not a pressing need, but with all the picks that the Giants have, the Giants have... What? I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven day three picks, and then three picks in the first two days after they traded the third for Darren Waller. So they have 10 picks collectively. I wouldn't be shocked if they took a kick at the can on a on a uh, quarterback, a developmental guy, whoever that might be a little bit later on. Chris, what number do you have? I have it at a five, just a little bit higher, but for pretty much the same reasons. You know, the Giants have a ripcord on that Daniel Jones contract where if he doesn't continue to take steps forward, if he doesn't play like a $41 million quarterback, they can get out of it after two years. And right now the Giants also have Tyrod Taylor on a basically a one-year deal. He's in the second year of a two-year deal. So 
after this year, they don't have a backup quarterback. And it's possible after two years, they don't have a starting quarterback. So to me, it, it would almost be a surprise at this point if the Giants don't take a developmental quarterback. Now, who that guy is, who knows? I've seen some smoke about Max Duggan, quarterback at a TCU. Joe Shane and Brian Dayball were both at the TCU Pro Day talking to the head coach, uh, doing their due diligence, but TCU has a lot of prospects. Personally, I'm partial to uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. That guy, he is both fun and just hyper competitive. I just really enjoy watching him play. Uh, I don't think Hendon Hooker will be in the conversation, although I think he the Giants could be an excellent landing spot for him. But I have a feeling if you want to draft Hendon Hooker, you're probably going to have to do it in the first round. I think he's going to go a lot higher than people think. I'm really glad that you brought up Dorian Thompson-Robinson because I was about to put you on the spot, Chris, and be like, look, this is a one-off position. And since it's a one-off position, let's tell the audience our favorite day three possible prospects. And DTR is easily mine. Now, DTR started, what, five years at UCLA? I believe he was a starter as a freshman. He didn't really progress until this last season when UCLA was one of the more premier teams in college football. But he has the athletic ability that you're looking for, that I feel like Brian Dable would want, and really any NFL team wants in modern quarterbacks. Some other quarterbacks that come to my mind, that kid from uh, Shepard, Tyson Bajan, he's a Division II prospect, and his dad was the corny dude who was talking about how strong he was uh, at the <laughs> through the NFL Network's broadcast of the Combine. But he's another name. I think Clayton Toon from Houston, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, those guys aren't as athletic are, are two other names. And if you're looking for just a straight athlete who has a lot of work in terms of throwing the football, it would be Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. So those are just some day three prospects to kind of keep on your radar. Yeah, agreed. And I, I'm right there with you with DTR. Uh, just as a quick aside, and if we have a show where we go over the quarterbacks in this draft class, I, we'll dig into it more. But one thing I really noticed is that at the scouting combine, it looked like his lower half and upper half were much more in sync throwing the ball, which was one of my big complaints about him on tape. And I thought that it showed in how he threw the ball. And even with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson there, DTR had the highest ball velocity recorded on the radar gun. So just mm -hmm. something to keep in mind. But let's move on to the offensive line. Just one more thing on DTR oh, too, Chris. He, he <laughs> we did will not rush the offensive line. <laughs> This is somebody who has rushed for over 700 yards in the last two college football seasons. This is also somebody who threw for over 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, just because we haven't talked about DTR yet on this podcast. And he is a name that I've kind of been monitoring for quite a while now. One other player is the Fresno quarterback, Jake Hayner. I only watch a little bit of him. I've heard people really appreciate his skills. He's a little bit undersized, but I just wanted to put another day three guy out there. But let's move on to what do you want to go, offensive line or running back, Chris? Uh, let's go with the offensive line. Okay, we're at the offensive line. We'll start with offensive tackle. And Chris and I, we have the same number here. And it's a three. It's not that pressing of a need for the New York Giants. The Giants drafted Evan Neal with the seventh pick 
Last year, they drafted Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick. Back in 2020, Andrew Thomas seems like he's going to be just an all-pro type of tackle. Let's hope that remains. His technique is significantly improved. He's one of the best tackles in the league, and I'm very excited about him. Evan Neal, a little bit rocky, but I can't say I'm surprised by the rocky start. I'm pretty sure we said after he was drafted, look, Evan Neal might have a rough start to his career. I know I've said that on other podcasts. I'm certain I've probably said this on this podcast as well, but hopefully he can develop. It might have been a little bit rockier than I expected. I don't think it was as bad as Andrew Thomas. I want to get your opinion on that. But ultimately, the Giants still need depth and possibly a swing tackle. So that's why it's not a one and it's a three for me. Please opine on the on my thoughts about Evan Neal and then give your number as well. Yeah, I think Evan Neal was a little bit, like you said, rockier than, than we thought he was going to be. I think he was helped by having Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka designing the offense as opposed to... Jason Garrett, just because they schemed a much friendlier offense to the to the players. Yeah, I think Giants fans are maybe a little were a little hard on Jason Garrett as a coach. Uh, I think he can definitely coach football. It's just it, his preferred scheme. I don't think really lines up with the modern NFL. Uh, Kafka and Dayball are much better at coaching to their players and just coaching to what the game is right now, as opposed to what it was 15, 20 years ago. So I think that helped Evan Neal out. I think he will continue to improve over this year and into his third year, just like Andrew Thomas has, but I'm also right there with you with depth. You know, right now the Giants' depth at offensive tackle is Corey Cunningham, Devery Hamilton, and Matt Peart. Uh, they can improve on those guys. They can certainly improve on players like that. Man, I like that Matt Peart pick at the time, but it just hasn't really developed. COVID slowed him down back in 2020. Injuries kind of have hampered him since then, but his pass protection has always been an issue since he's kind of entered the league and he's always had the swift feet. It's just protecting that outside shoulder, which is something he's really struggled with, but still he's a cheap contract and somebody who can be a swing tackle for the giants. If they do not invest in the offensive tackle position, but what about the interior offensive line? Where are you at with that, bud? Uh, I would say considerably higher. I am at a seven on that. And primarily because of the center position, yeah, you know, the giants have bodies for guards. Yeah. You know, Mark Lewinsky's still there. They've got Joshua Zudu, who guy we both like. They've got Ben Bredesen. They've got Shane Lemieux. At center, you know, Bredesen has played the position some. Shane Lemieux has kind of cross-trained there. The Giants were maybe going to use him a bit when John Feliciano was injured, but that didn't really work out. You know, the Giants don't really have a good concrete answer at center. Now, I know Joe Shane is prepared to go with uh, to go with Bredesen or Lemieux or Anderson, the guy they picked up just very recently. But, man, I'm not sure I'm super comfortable going in with just depending on one of those guys to be the pivot in the middle of your offensive line. Yeah, I'm right there with you. There's concern with the center position, but even look at right guard. Mark Lewinsky isn't going to be here forever. So there's really no long-term plan at right guard if you don't think Marcus McKethan is going to graduate from being nothing more than a developmental piece. And the fact that he tore his ACL last year in the blue and white scrimmage doesn't really help that fact. But I hope that he can get healthy. 
Wyatt Davis, I'm not really sure what you're expecting from him. But if the Giants do feel high on these guys, and that would be excellent. But still, looking at this from a top-down type of standpoint, you do not have long-term answers at center or right guard. Joe Shane spoke pretty extensively at the owner's meeting about the center position when a question was asked. And I can't remember who asked the question, so I'm sorry I'm not giving credit to whoever did ask the question. And he did mention... Ben Bredesen, Shane Lemieux, and Jack Anderson, as you just went over, for center for the center rotation and how they have taken snaps at center. I don't know if they have yet or they're just planning on giving them snaps at OTAs. Regardless of the fact, Ben Bredesen has, I think, a smidge of experience at center, whereas Shane Lemieux has none, right, other than maybe taking some snaps last year in training camp. And I'm not optimistic given the traits that I've seen from Shane Lemieux, that he would be able to make that transition, nor should we rely on Shane Lemieux to stay healthy since he's been injured for quite a while. And then that brings us to Jack Anderson, who I liked his tape when he was at Philadelphia and from the 2021 season, I believe. And I know he was with Brian Dable before that when he was on the Bills. And he went to Stoutland University, Chris. You know, he has that coaching from Jeff Stoutland, who was a fantastic offensive line coach over there with the Philadelphia Eagles. But he didn't necessarily have the best... I would say, start with the New York Giants when he missed a block on a screen and then had two false starts that sent Brian Dable up the wall sometime midseason. I can't remember exactly which game that was, but I don't feel overly comfortable either. So I have it at six. I know it's a notch lower than you. I think there are contingency plans on the roster, but ideally, and I would imagine with at least two of the 10 picks, more than likely one, they're going to invest in interior offensive linemen and keep adding the depth because you win in this league through the trenches and you need to ensure that these assets are the asset. You're going to protect your assets in Saquon Barkley, who is only on the franchise tag. And then Daniel Jones. And one more thing, Joshua Zudu, look, he had a neck injury and we're not really a hundred percent certain how serious that neck injury is. That's just another thing. I feel like that could be weighing on the giants mind, but we're not privy to that information. Yeah. That, it's something we should note, keep in mind, but we don't know how to, weight it one way or the other it yeah. could be serious it could be fine we don't know yeah the, i think the other thing i think why i came down a little bit higher or maybe lower <laughs> depending on your perspective on this than you did is just we have seen the giants throw bodies just have guys try at center yeah they had john jalapio and then they they tried Nick Gates, and Nick Gates was rough, but then he improved, but he is no longer a giant. And like they have just been doing everything but invest in the position since Dave Gettleman decided Weston, Rich- Weston Richburg wasn't worth keeping around. And I-, I feel like the team has really suffered for it. I, I think having a natural center a guy where center is his best position and he has experience at it. He has experience snapping the ball and getting his, getting his hands up to deal with nose tackles, uh, calling and identifying the pressures. Yeah. All of those things, that's something guards don't really have to do. And maybe a guard can do it sort of, but just having that real natural center that makes the lives of everybody around him that much easier. And since the center is a one-off position similar to the quarterback, let's go through some of those centers that could fit the bill for the New York Giants. 
And if the Giants are selecting at 25, the center that comes to my mind is John Michael Schmitz. That's that's my number one center right now. It's a lot of people's number one center. It's not a novel take. But I also like Joe Tipman. I like Whipler as well. People think Steve Avila can be a center in the NFL. He has snaps there at TCU. I think he's more of a guard from what I've seen from Steve Avila, but that's another name. He's the TCU interior offensive lineman. But who are some of your centers maybe for day three, Chris, that you think the Giants could target who could have a, a pretty immediate impact and, and possibly contend with starting for center in year one? Yeah, I've got two that I kind of keep coming back to. The first is Elusigonu Latimi out of Michigan. Good yeah. job, by the way. Why, thank you. Yeah, Remington Award winner, Outland Trophy winner. I believe the first Outland Trophy winner in Michigan history, which considering the offensive linemen that have come through Michigan with their pedigree and just the history of that program, that's uh, that's kind of mind-blowing, really, that Aluatimi is their first Outland Trophy winner. But he was voted the best center and the best interior offensive lineman in the country last year and he's got good movement skills he's very very smart and he knows how to use his technique and angles to maximize his play strength and in a lot of ways he kind of reminds me of Richburg except he's a little bit bigger a little bit more athletic and a little bit stronger so he's a guy I just really keep coming back to because of how technically sound he is and then mm -hmm. Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas because nice. That, that dude was just fun to watch. It, it's not often you see a a center with, I'll say, unspectacular size. He isn't undersized, but he also isn't massive. Just kind of throw dudes around and ragdoll defensive linemen. And also that Arkansas offense with KJ Jefferson was just fun as well. I, I call that guy truck stick. I'm looking forward to scouting him next year. Ricky Stromberg is an interesting player to me because I studied, I started studying offensive linemen before the senior bowl. And he was one of the senior bowl attendees that I went over and do a full evaluation on him. But I was just watching some of his tape and I watched his LSU game and it was him against a, a player that I don't think a lot of people are discussing. And I wanted to get your opinion on this. And I know we're going a little bit off the rails, but I think it's fine. It was him against Jaqueline Roy, the number 99 on LSU. And that was a really fun matchup because Roy to me is, is somebody no one is talking about right now. And I think he is a damn talented interior defensive lineman. If, if you have not seen him or heard about him, go check him out, uh, listeners, if you guys want to do that, because the Giants are definitely in the market for interior defensive linemen. But Stromberg won some of those reps, man. And Stromberg was holding his own. So he's definitely a day three center option that I'm very interested in. Some of the other interior offensive linemen, too, John Gaines from UCLA is, is a very, very fun watch. He blew up the combine. And then a day two guy is Luke Whipler from Ohio State. I just kind of wanted to mention some of these guys. But did you have a chance to watch Jaqueline Roy, Chris? Uh, like you, I have watched other teams play against him. And I, I agree with you. He is one of those defensive linemen who is just – he doesn't get the attention he deserves, I think, because he plays a an unglamorous position, which is kind of a thing that happens with interior defensive linemen when they're not just blowing up the opposing offense, you know, like doing Jalen Carter things. Before we get into the rest of the offense, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. All right, Chris, let's get into the wide receiver position. We know New York Giants fans, they want 
the Giants add that traditional X, but not even maybe a traditional X because this draft isn't chock full of them, but just another talented wide receiver who can grow with Daniel Jones because beyond two years, the only players who are going to be under contract after the season is what? Wondell Robinson and, and Darius Slayton at the position. There's a lot of bodies. There's a lot of guys in the wide receiver room, but it's not a lot of players who are signed for long term. So what do you list the wide receiver need at? I have that one as an eight, at least on the offensive side of the ball. It is my single biggest need for this team. And I don't know that anyone would argue with that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have eight as well. I think when you look at the offense right now, you have Saquon Barkley and and we'll get into running back in a little bit. It's only a franchise tag. So it's a little bit precarious situation going on there. Center and interior offensive line definitely need, but you have your quarterback locked up. You got your tight end. You have both of your tackles who are going to be locked up. But you look at that wide receiver position. That is a glaring need. And the Giants, bro, they are whining and dining wide receivers right now. They took Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Ohio State slot receiver, out to dinner. They took Zay Flowers at his pro day, a Boston College wide receiver, out to dinner. And then reportedly at TCU's pro day, they took Quentin Johnston out. And Quentin Johnston's a completely different prospect. This is a six foot four freak athlete who I really like. I really like the thought of Quinton Johnston, and I want to get your little take on him. We'll deviate just a little bit of a quick eval on Quinton Johnston, Chris. But he's not a complete wide receiver, in my opinion. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it is interesting the way the Giants are approaching the wide receiver position, and I'm not sure they're locked into a single archetype, which I think is why you can consider Zay Flowers and Quinton Johnston equally at the same time draft slot assuming they're both there you know what what joe shane said i believe it was at the combine when he said it that they're looking for guys who can get open doesn't matter how tall or short they are how big or skinny they are they want separators they want guys who can use their skill set and this is something i come back to a lot size is not a skill set size is a trait your skills are how you use your traits and how they can use those traits to generate separation and yeah quentin johnson he is an a very intriguing skill set and intriguing player for this offense especially with you know, you've got Isaiah Hodgins, who is a very reliable catcher of the ball. I believe I saw the other day, he was actually the fourth best catcher of the ball of any wide receiver in the NFL last year. I, I forget exactly what the floor for receptions was, but it was a lot. And Hodgins was very good at it, catching the ball, that is. And <laughs> then you also have Darren Waller recently at it, but you've got Wandale Robinson, quick shifty guy, uh, Darius Slayton as more of a deep threat, but having Quentin Johnston, he gives you a kind of a little bit of everything. He is, he has the ability to get downfield, to stretch the defense. He's got size to give you kind of instant separation and matchups against smaller DBs. And he has kind of rare, fluidity in his lower body to cut sharply to drop his hips change his center of gravity and win in that short to intermediate area with quickness which is not common for bigger receivers and i think we probably could also talk about cedric tillman maybe as a day two pick but in that very similar mold 
Yes, I really like Cedric Tillman. I don't think there's a better contested catch wide receiver in this draft that I've seen than Cedric Tillman. Just very strong hands, always goes up and get it. Playing in Josh Heupel's offense, though, at Tennessee, where he aligned like 90% of the time on one side. He only ran like two routes, but I do like Cedric Tillman's game, and I think the traits are translatable. Some other names, though, at the wide receiver position that I think fit what the Giants are looking for, just some of the guys that I've seen so far. I think Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, Look, he's not the best athlete, ran like a four, five, three, but you want to just talk about a guy who's smart, who knows where to be, when to be there. I feel like he is that type of player who the Giants can get a little bit later on in the draft, who can slide in. And I think Brian Dable will appreciate his skill set. Marvin Mims, the kid from Oklahoma, he's a field stretcher. Josh Downs, it's more of a slot type of guy because he is so small, like 5'9, 170 pounds, but another guy who can really run routes. And then obviously the Jackson Smith and Jigbas and the Zay Flowers and the Jordan Addisons, everyone knows, but. Those other players I, I I listed are players that maybe the Giants, if they do forego selecting a wide receiver at 25, can get those players at around 89. Or if they really slide 128, and some of those guys I listed obviously won't be there at 128. But those are some guys that come to my mind. And Tank Dell, I absolutely love. I've been talking about Tank Dell for freaking months now, the kid from Houston, but he's like smaller than me. So it's 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 not a great it's not great for for his prospect. But you would just like watch him run routes. It's like it's insane. Like I'm fascinated by how that guy runs routes and I hope it's translatable for him. And in today's NFL, if there was ever a time for a five foot eight, five foot nine, hundred and sixty pound wide receiver to to have success. It's right now in this NFL with all the movement that NFL offenses are are introducing into the game. Yeah, and you talk about that Tennessee offense. You know, Jalen Hyatt, I think, should definitely be on our radar at the bottom of the first round. And we are seeing, you know, I've seen a lot of criticism about the Tennessee offense for being, you know, one to two man read, half field read, a lot of RPOs, which look at the offense the Giants ran in the first half of the year. Now, it's it was more intricate than that. It was more complicated than the Tennessee offense, but bare bones, you know, just come down to it. The same basic structure was there. Yeah, NFL offenses are incorporating a ton of college concepts, A, because they work, and B, to get these young players up to speed fastest. You know, you, you don't have three, four years to take them to football grad school for, you know, these hyper intricate post snap read, you know, Kevin Gilbride type five, you know, five man progression read offenses like, like Eli Manning ran in 2007 and 2011. Yeah. You know, now you need to get these guys up to speed soonest. And just one other name to throw out there is Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. I feel like he's kind of falling falling between the cracks a little bit, but he might be the most classic X receiver in the draft. And I think maybe get him into an NFL offense with NFL coaching. And he could be one of the real surprise picks to come out of this draft where People look like, where did this guy come from? And then you look back, it's like, oh yeah, the traits were all there. They were just kind of hidden in an offense where he was a blocker first. Yeah, I got to watch Mingo 
other burners though too if we're looking for burners because we went over guys who can just like find the soft spots and zones and stuff like that like tyler scott from cincinnati i know ed's been singing his praises and dude he has like rare acceleration and, and breakaway type of speed if you get the football in his hands in space he's absolutely gone you have the kid from nebraska who was an lsu transfer trey palmer is another player who could take the top off of defenses and one of my favorite players in this draft dude is freaking charlie jones from purdue he is just such a smart and talented wide receiver he's the type of guy who's going to be like a fourth round pick and no one's going to really think much of him and then he's going to be like in training camp and whatever team drafts and be like charlie jones is going to start and all the fans will be like wait what now excuse me and he's just going to find his way onto the football field and somebody who played in three different college programs like he has a very unconventional path to the nfl buffalo to iowa and he was like man i went to the wrong big 10 offense because there are a few (laughs) offenses that are worse than the iowa hawkeyes right now he's like screw this i'm going to purdue they throw the football like ten thousand times a year he went to purdue and he like set records there he's he's older i don't know if joe shane is going to be interested in somebody who's going to be 25 during his rookie season i think he is going to turn 25 at the end of october but damn he is talented have you watched him yet not yet i he's on my list i just haven't gotten there yet for a not very good wide receiver draft class there's sure a lot of wide receivers that you kind of need to watch (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm right there with you man i'm right there with you let's move to running back now so look the running back position for the giants they still have gary brightwell under contract they brought matt Breida back and you have Saquon Barkley, who's operating under the franchise tag. It seemed like Joe Shane was very comfortable allowing Saquon Barkley to play under the franchise tag, which I like because I'm a little – I don't want the Giants to give out a $12.5 million per year contract to Saquon Barkley right now when the running back market is obviously going in the other direction. To me, that doesn't really make that much sense as much as I like Saquon Barkley. But I have this number at six. I think the Giants will look to add a running back somewhere on day three. I wouldn't be shocked if they took one at 89, but I would prefer it to be a little bit later just because this is a pretty damn deep running back class. And we'll go over some of those running backs here in a little bit. But Chris, what are your thoughts on the running back position heading into the draft? Uh, Absolutely the same. I think the Giants are content to roll with Saquon Barkley this year. If he forces, if he has another great year and forces their hand, they'll, I could see them giving him something like a two, maybe a three-year deal. I don't think anything longer term than that. Uh, they'll probably be looking for another running back to back up or supplement Barkley if they do sign him to a long-term deal. I, I don't see them keeping Matt Breida after this year. Gary Brightwell, is he's a nice player. He's a good special teams player. He produced when he got onto the field, but he is. I don't think he's a guy who precludes you from taking a a running back at some point on day three with those seven day three picks the Giants have. Yeah, I'd love to see them get Tajay Spears. He's there's no way he's going in the after the third round. Uh, but maybe an Israel Bonaconda out of Pitt or maybe Kendra Miller out of TCU. Yeah, he is a very, very fun, very versatile running back. Yeah. This is a very good running back class. We, we could probably sit here and just name guys we like for a whole 30-minute show. And they're all so different, too. Like You brought up Kendry Miller, and that was the name I was going to bring up, the TCU running back. I think he is somebody you get him early, maybe mid-day three, and he can step on your field, and he could be an asset to your offense. And I look at what the Giants did with their pony personnel package down the stretch, right, and how they won a playoff game based on that being the focal point of their offense against the Minnesota Vikings. And there's a running back in this draft class 
that to me would fit well into Pony personnel and could be that replacement for Matt Breida after this season. And that is Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State. And Deuce Vaughn, for those of you who do not know, he is like five foot five. 175 pounds, but he is explosive. He tore up the Alabama defense when Kansas State played Alabama. He's a player that kind of caught my eye. And on the complete flip side of that, Chris, the complete flip side of it, Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota. And I've been covering Muhammad Ibrahim for freaking years since he was a true freshman at Minnesota because I used to cover the Minnesota Golden Gophers for a year. Like when I think it might have been Ibrahim, Ibrahim's rookie or rookie freshman year way back in the day he tore his achilles after running all over ohio state in 2021 and then he came back this last year and absolutely blew up college football in the big 10 and was that same reliable running back that the golden gophers got used to it's just he's not that great of an athlete and he have those injury issues but the reason i bring him up is because of those facts he might slide to pick 243 or 254 or something even though he is a very good running back, despite the fact that he's not necessarily overly explosive or athletic. But I think that's a wise kick at the can late in the draft. Somebody who's going to come in, be a consummate professional, and somebody who just knows how to run the football. Might not be glamorous, might not hit too many home runs, but just knows how to play the position. What are your thoughts on Ibrahim or Deuce Vaughn? I, I love Deuce Vaughn, and not just because he's the shortest player ever at the NFL scouting combine. He was actually the first player I profiled for this year's draft process. He was my first scouting report. And yeah, he is short. He is undersized. He does not care. <laughs> he will mix it up as a blocker. He is a natural receiver. He's got incredible quickness. He's got good speed. Like he is a ton of fun to watch. And there are just a ton of good running backs. Like, Rashawn Johnson out of Texas, who's kind of in the shadow of Bijan Robinson, but he would be a starter on pretty much any other team. Chase Brown out of Illinois. Sean Tucker out of Syracuse is a guy I love. He basically was their offense. Then you go, go the other direction. You've got uh, Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky, or a guy I think I think might have caught Brian Dayball's eye, or... Campbell out there in Detroit, just based on what he did at the scouting combine of Evan Hull, where anytime he touched the ball, he ran to the end zone. <laughs> it didn't matter what drill it was. He was just making a house call. <laughs> yeah, Evan Hull's a, a fun watch, and I haven't evaluated his tape, but I just have watched a lot of Northwestern offense just through watching other Big Ten defenses. And I'm always like, who the hell is his running back? Number 26 out there, just kind of like running through arm tackles and just doing all the right things correctly. Not really the most, um, I would say, exciting at times, but there are a couple of plays throughout his tape where I was like, oh man, he shows some good acceleration. I'm probably going to dive into his tape a little bit later just because I want to get a more comprehensive uh, understanding of his game. But I like that name as well. But Chris, let's transition to the last position group that we're going to talk about, and that is tight end. We know Daniel Bellinger was a quite a surprise last year. We're like, oh, the Giants drafted this fourth round rookie. I dove into a San Diego State tape and I was like, damn, you know. He doesn't have a huge receiving profile because that's just not what San Diego State runs. But this guy's a pretty good athlete, and he can block his ass off. And you don't see a lot of rookies block as well as Daniel Bellinger did. But the Giants also acknowledge that they need to find explosive playmaking weapons. They didn't utilize Daniel Bellinger in that manner last year. I think he, I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for, and I think he's a good receiving option. But adding Darren Waller is a completely different 
type of situation because Darren Waller has top three tight end upside and he arguably is the most explosive tight end at the position. Now, I'm sure there are other tight ends who can argue that Kyle Pitts being one, but he's up there when he is fully healthy. So I had a number four for the tight end position. I think they could still add a developmental piece. There were times last year and injuries you got to factor in, but there were times last year where the Giants ran 13 personnel. And right now, who is your 13th personnel tight end? Who is that third tight end that you want to put out there if you're going to block? Because that's not Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager is kind of like a poor man's Darren Waller, a very poor man's Darren Waller. So you have Tommy Sweeney and Chris Myrick. And I kind of like Chris Myrick as that third tight end, but this is a tight, really deep tight end class as well. Chris, what are your thoughts on the tight end position relative to the Giants and some of these prospects in the draft? Yeah, I am. I'm at a four as well, but I'm going to qualify that as saying I could definitely see the Giants using one of their draft picks on a tight end and perhaps even relatively highly, maybe not 25, but this is just such a good tight end class where it it might just happen where the best player available in the third or fourth round is one of these tight ends. And I think the Giants could do worse than to add a Luke Musgrave or a Sam Laporta or a Tucker Craft or a Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion, uh, Payne Durham out of Purdue, mm-hmm. you know, Cam Latu out of Alabama. Like there's a bunch of really good tight ends. And, and that's not counting Michael Meyer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington up at the very top who – may very well be in consideration at 25th overall. It it almost reminds me of that uh, 2017 tight end class. And I think Davis Allen is another name. The kid from Clemson Clemson. was a pretty, from the little bit of Clemson offense that I've watched, he's a pretty good blocker. I see 84 out there just running around throwing these blocks. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. He seems to have some natural receiving ability for, for somebody who is going to be available a little bit later in the draft. That's another name to, to monitor. And if you want a smaller type of guy, which I'm looking for a more bigger guy, like a Daniel Bellinger type, someone who can block, which I feel like there's a lot of tight ends in this draft class who have some blocking upside, right? They can lose slow enough, as we say, thanks to uh, Mike Mayock, Will Mallory. He's not necessarily that, but he's like that six foot five, two hundred and forty pound move tight end who can be a, a versatile chess piece. He's the kid from Miami. So that's just some other names at the tight end position. But Chris, do you have anything else on the offense that you want to opine on before we get out of here? No, but I just do want to circle back to really how you open the show and that this is a pretty vital draft for the future of the Giants offense. Yeah. They I think they they spent free agency adding a lot of safety net picks, a lot of guys where if the draft doesn't break their way, they'll be okay. But just going through and assessing this roster and just kind of rating it from their set to hair on fire, they need to add talent now to this position. Uh this roster definitely has a lot of areas where it still needs guys. It's still, it, there may be some rebar in place, but they, it needs mortar. Yeah. The giants need to hit these draft picks. And I feel like, and I brought this up on previous shows. I feel like 
Joe Sheen is now in a position where he has his guys in the front office. He scouted the entire college season knowing he was the Giants general manager. Last year, he didn't have that. Everything was accelerated last year. And Joe Sheen and Brian Dable said as much during the owners meetings, or at least they alluded to as much. So I think it's important. And I feel like the picks are going to be a little bit more comprehensive. One really interesting note that Joe Shane mentioned with in regards to Wink Martindale was he knows the players Wink Martindale is looking for now. So kind of suggesting he was a little bit guessing last year with some of the players. So hopefully the marriage between these two coordinators, the head coach and the general manager, is a little bit more refined. And the Giants will really find players who are going to slide in and fit well into this system and what those two coordinators are expecting to do heading into the 2023 season. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to the website, bigblueview.com. We're extensively covering the New York Giants. We'll be all over the NFL draft, going through film reviews, everything about the Giants draft picks. So if you have not done so already, head on over to Big Blue View. Check that out. Check out our YouTube, Big Blue View. And also, have a lovely day. Take care.